we enter the start of Holy Week, um, a week of palms today and leading into the passion of Christ. So palms and passion is what we're going to be looking at this morning. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11, reading from the NIV Bible. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You know, they say, don't they, that actions speak louder than words. Actions point out to our, our integrity, the do we actually mean what we say? Actions reveal a lot about what we think and who or what we truly put our faith in. And so we look at the actions of Jesus. How did Jesus spend what would be his last week? What did he do? What did his actions mean? And a big question, why? When he knew what was ahead of him, why did he enter Jerusalem? Well, it was because it was time. It was his time. It was a time of proclamation, a time to go public in his ministry, a time to say, I I'm the king that you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah. But why did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? Rather than walking into Jerusalem as he had done many times before, and rather than riding in on a horse as a king would do, Jesus rode in on a humble donkey. Well, I guess riding on a donkey was a way of Jesus to say that he'd come in peace. There was 
everything gentle about him. And yes, there is something about fulfilling the prophecy in the Old Testament scripture, which was alluded to in Matthew's reading. Zechariah 9 says, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey. Now, <clears throat> Zechariah was writing this at a time after the Babylonian exile, during a time of rebuilding. He was writing to encourage those that had been in exile to rebuild specifically the temple. And we read this message of God saving his people from Israel, sorry, saving his people Israel from the bigger and stronger nations that surrounded them. Zechariah told the people that God would save them and protect them. The king will return. And Jews looking for the Messiah would read this passage as referring to a certain king, the anointed one, the Messiah. This anointed king would raise an army and save Israel once and for all in their minds. And this was the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled, but not in the way that people expected. He rides in on a donkey as king. But Jesus doesn't look or act very kingly. He doesn't have an army. He doesn't kick out the occupying forces of the Roman Empire. He doesn't take back the temple from the Sanhedrin. When he sees Jerusalem, he doesn't shout a battle cry. Instead, we're told Jesus cries. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem and warns them that their suffering is not over yet. This isn't what Zechariah 9 told them. In the minds of the people, this is not how it was meant to be. Zechariah's was a call to rebuild after a time of destruction. And here Jesus is saying, look, things are not going to be the way you expect. You still don't get it, do you? Jesus was the one bringing peace, wholeness, but they couldn't see it. They were too busy looking for someone else, someone different, had a different agenda. Some looked for a military leader that could wipe Rome out of Israel for good. Some wanted a great statesman who could do a better deal with Rome. Some wanted a teacher that told them what they wanted to hear. Some just wanted a healer someone that solved whatever personal situation they were dealing with. People saw many things when they looked at Jesus, but what they failed to see was strength in weakness and suffering love. They failed to see the part that they would need to play, a part that was not about throwing rocks or yielding swords, but was more about humility 
and love. They were looking straight at him, straight at the son of God. And yet they could not see. They could not understand. And he wept. He knew where this journey would end. He knew that their shouts would turn to jeers, knew that instead of a donkey carrying him, it would become a wooden cross. I wonder if Jesus were to ride down the A38 on a donkey and come to the top of Telegraph Hill looking over our area of Devon or wherever you happen to be living, what would Jesus be thinking as he looked upon us? Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, if only you knew this day, who was bringing you peace? Who was bringing you healing? Who was bringing wholeness, justice, completeness? Do we know God's peace in our life, that complete healing of body, mind, soul, and spirit that God offers. Despite expectations, Jesus turns the idea of power upside down. In Christ, we find that there is power in humility. There is power in tears. There is power in a cross. I'd like this morning to share with you a story. It's called The Ragman by Walter Vangerin. And it's taken from a book of wisdom stories that I have on my shelf. And it just really speaks into our service today. I saw a strange sight. I stumbled upon a story most strange, like nothing in my life, my street sense, my tongue had ever prepared me for. Hush, and I'll tell you about it. Even before the dawn, one Friday morning, I noticed a young man, handsome and strong, walking the alleys of our city. He was pulling an old cart filled with clothes, bright and new, and he was calling in a clear voice, rags. The air was foul and the first light filthy to be crossed by such sweet music. Rags, he said, new rags for old. I'll take your tired rags. Now, this is a wonder, I thought to myself, for the man stood tall and his arms strong and muscular and his eyes flashed intelligence. Could he find no better job than this, to be a rag man in the inner city? I followed him, my curiosity drove me and I wasn't disappointed. 
Soon, the ragman saw a woman sitting on her porch. She was sobbing into a handkerchief, sighing and shedding a thousand tears. Her shoulders shook. Her heart was breaking. The ragman stopped his cart. Quietly, he walked up to the woman, stepping around tin cans and dead toys. And he said to her, give me your rag and I'll give you another. He slipped the handkerchief from her eyes. She looked up and he laid across her palm a linen cloth fresh and clean and new. She blinked from the gift to the giver. Then, as he began to pull his cart again, the ragman did a strange thing. He put her stained handkerchief to his own face. And as soon as it touched him, he began to weep. A sob as grievous as she had done his shoulders shaking, and yet she was left without a tear. This is a wonder, I breathed to myself, and I followed the sobbing ragman like a child who could not turn away from a mystery. Rags, rags, new rags for old. In a while, when the sky showed grey behind the rooftops, I could see the shredded curtains hanging out of blackened windows. The ragman came upon a girl whose head was wrapped in a, bang in a bandage, whose eyes were vacant and empty. Blood soaked her bandage and a single line of blood ran down her cheek. Now the tall ragman looked upon this child with pity and he drew a lovely bright yellow bonnet from his cart. Give me your rag, he said, tracing his own line on her cheek, and I'll give you mine. The child could not only gaze at him could only gaze at him while he loosened the bandage. He removed it and tied it to his own head. The bonnet he set on hers. And I gasped at what I saw, for with the bandage went the wound. Against his brow, it ran a darker, more substantial blood, his own. Rags, rags, I take old rags, cried the sobbing, bleeding, strong, intelligent ragman. He came then to a man. Are you going to work? He asked the man, leading against a telegraph pole. The man shook his head, but said nothing. The ragman pressed him. Do you have a job? Are you crazy? Sneered the other. He pulled away from the pole, 
revealing the right sleeve of his jacket, flat and empty, the cuff stuffed into the pocket. He had no arm. So, said the ragman, give me your jacket and I'll give you mine. There was so much quiet authority in his voice that the one armed man took off his jacket, as did the ragman. And I trembled at what I saw, for the ragman's arms stayed in its sleeve. And when the other put it on, he had two good arms, muscular and strong, but the ragman had only one. Now go to work, the ragman told him. After that, he found a drunk lying unconscious beneath an old army blanket, an old man, hunched and wizen and sick. He took that blanket and he wrapped it around himself. And for the drunk, he left new clothes. And now I had to run to keep up with the ragman, although he was weeping uncontrollably and bleeding from his head, pulling his cart with one arm and stumbling around, falling again and again, exhausted, old, old and sick. Yet he went with terrible speed, with an urgency. He skittered through the alleys of the city mile after mile, until he came to its limits, and then he rushed beyond. I wept to see the change in this man. I hurt to see his sorrow, and yet I needed to see where he was going with such haste. Perhaps I wanted to know what drove him so. The ragman was now little, and old, and he came to a landfill. He came to the garbage pits of the city. And I went, wanted to help him in what he did, but I hung back hiding. He climbed a hill. With tormented labor, he cleared a little space atop that hill. Then he sighed. He laid down, he pillowed his head on a wet handkerchief and a jacket and he covered his bones with an army blanket and there he died. Oh, how I cried to witness that death. I slumped and I wailed and mourned as one who has no hope, because I had come to love that ragman. Every other face had faded in the wonder of this man, and I cherished him. But he died, and I found myself sobbing myself to sleep. Earlier on, 
I asked you, why did Jesus enter Jerusalem? And this ragman story tells us exactly why, why he entered there and why he continues to enter every other city and town, why he entered then and why he continues to come and seek and search now. He comes to take all the hurts and all the pain, all the guilt and all the shame, and he puts them onto himself. He carries it all. He carries it all and in exchange makes us whole. A divine exchange. A sad story, but true very moving and very thought-provoking, but full of hope. For well, you see, we know, don't we, that the story doesn't end there. The story continues. I did not know, how could I know, that I slept through Friday night and Saturday and it's night too. And then on Sunday morning, I awakened to a violent noise. Light, hard and demanding, slammed against my sore face. And I blinked and I looked and I saw the first wonder of all. There was the ragman folding up the army blanket most carefully, a scar on his forehead but no bleeding, alive. And besides that, he looked alive and healthy. There was no sign of sorrow or age and all the rags that he had gathered shined new and clean. Well, then I lowered my head and trembling for all that I had seen, I myself walked up to the ragman. I told him my name with shame, for I was a sorry figure next to him. Then I took off my clothes in that place. And I said to him with dear yearning in my voice, dress me. He dressed me. My Lord, he put new rags on me. And I am a wonder beside him. The ragman. The ragman. The Christ. My Lord. I'm just going to leave us with that story. I'm going to leave us to think about it. To think about what that journey into Jerusalem meant for Jesus and means for us. To think about how he still comes. And he still calls out to us. And he still takes everything from us. 
and gives everything to us. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're worth Crucified Lay behind the star And live to die Rejected and alone Like a rose
content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved. <laughs>